Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. Que llega de nuevo con peligro el Arsenal Chamberlain, el centro de Chamberlain, no, el disparo, gol, en un minuto dos goles, 0-2. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there, welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always with James from Gunner Blog. Goodly, I don't know what to do here now, this is confusing to me. It is confusing, yeah. I mean, it, it won't make it much difference to the listener, presumably, but for us, it's a discombobulating experience. It is, because we're, normally we're, we record in the morning and I can say goodly morning to you, but this is not the morning, it's almost, well, it's, it's approaching evening on Sunday, uh, but do we keep up the charade of pretending to do it? No, I don't know, I don't know what to do now. Well, I, think, I guess people might still be listening in the morning, they so we will? can still wish them a goodly morning. It's well, just me. Yeah. Well, good, goodly afternoon to you. I just Thank don't you. need a beer. And uh, goodly, goodly morning to everybody else, unless the people who are listening to this are listening in the afternoon, and then this is, well, the whole thing is fucked then. It is. Uh, but look, you're doing the podcast and you're having a beer mm. at 10am or whenever we normally record. That would, that would be deemed inappropriate. It would be deemed inappropriate, but it wouldn't necessarily stop me. No, Just that's saying. true. That's true. That's the only the first time we've heard about it. Yes. Um, okay, well, look, here we are then of an evening. As we're talking, Manchester United and Chelsea are playing at Stamford Bridge. I'm watching. I have it on a little streamy doodah here down the bottom. I'm hoping that certainly there'll be some, some injuries, some red cards, uh, a bit of violence. Uh, who knows? Um, but so far, not much of that has happened. So, okay, well, keep keep me up to date as it, as it goes along. I will, I will. Anything exciting that happens, I will let you know first thing. Um, and we're just coming off the back of... Uh, uh, what do they call it? Be- word begins with W, I think. I've, I've, uh, we're, we're, we... 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 Wick, wick-tory, wick-tory? Wick, 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 almost... Uh, win, win, win! We won a game. We were hurrah in the league for the first time since January the second. Oh, blimey! That's some time, isn't it? Some time's gone by. A full a month and a bit. Yeah. Now I know we had that game against uh, Burnley in the FA Cup, which which was also a wi- a victory. A very a nice, victory. very nice victory. Yeah. Is that how Louis Van Hal says? Victory? Would he say I victory? I imagine so. Yeah. I imagine so. Yeah. His big potato head. Yeah, except he would say like victory, <laughs> like that. Yeah, he speaks like a man who sort of wants to be made into a vine. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, he's sixty whatever years of age, and he's just realised that his entire purpose of being put on the earth was to speak in a way that is perfectly captured in six-second videos on something that wasn't uh, even invented when he was born. It's amazing. He's, em- he's embraced the power of social media. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, we won a game. I, I mean, it's a strange and unfamiliar feeling. I don't know about you, in the league at least, I'm, I'm unsettled by it. More so than recording <laughs> in the afternoon. Well, I have to say I quite like it. I like it. It's good. I could get used to it. I yeah. could get used to it. You know, it felt, it felt. I won't say routine, but after we'd gone 2-0 up, and even though Bournemouth had a, a good good second half, I thought, in fairness, um, they, they did try... But you, you, we were never really under any genuine threat. I never felt like a game that we were going to lose. And uh, even if I would have liked another goal just to make it even more secure, uh, you know, I'm happy enough with, with taking three points. I mean, was that as good as we could expect after, what, three games without scoring and, and having not won since January the 2nd? It was really all about getting a win one way or the other, however we did it. That's it. It's not. It wasn't so much the case that I never felt that. Oh well, sooner or later, some team's going to be on the end of a hiding. You know, I think we just need to build our confidence back up. Mm. And a win like this, we scored some goals. We didn't concede any goals. 
I mean, look, that's a formula I'd be happy to stick with. Yeah. Ooh, I found a crisp. Where is the is the obvious question to ask? Uh, on the desk here in front of me. Mm. Interesting. It's um, interesting. Uh, uh, pepper and salt type crisp. It's good. I hope it's a crisp anyway, and not, you know, a, a scab or something. But anyway, um, <laughs> um, I, I mean, did you leave crisps there, or is it naturally occurring? Has it grown there? What what was happening? No, no, I did. I had I had some crisps uh, earlier, and uh, okay. I think I must have just so, you know wandered off without one. So, so the crumbs that you left behind have have well, no, it was it was larger crisp. No, it was actually a, quite a big crisp. Um, I don't know how I didn't see it. I know. Mm. But what was the last thing you said about... Yeah, what was the last thing you said? Oh, oh, Diego Costa's very angry. He's very angry. He's having a chat with Michael Oliver. John Terry's having a chat with Michael Oliver. Sesk is having a chat with Michael Oliver. Diego Costa's still really angry. I don't know why. that counts as news, though, does it? No. He's perennially angry, that man. He's claiming somebody did something to him. That's what he's saying. Uh, Do you know what I think happened? I'm not watching the game. I reckon he actually did something to someone else. Yeah, no, actually what happened was he won a header and uh, headed it over the bar and there was some close attention from a defender. I think it was um, Daniel Blind. And uh, he's claiming that his shirt was being pulled, which, of course, it probably was. But, you know, there you go. Ah, uh, well. But no no violence yet, but it's it's brewing. It's brewing. Early days. Early, Early days. days on the violence front. So what was the last thing you said about football, that thing that we should be talking about? That I liked it, and I liked what happened when we scored goals and the other team didn't, and then we were awarded points on that basis. Yes. We'll discuss the goals now in a couple of moments, because they were good goals, and I think they merit some some discussion and some analysis. But let, okay. me, let, me, let me talk a little bit to you about Matthew Flamini. Ah. <laughs> Matthew Lamini. Um what what did you make of that challenge? I thought it was crazy. I can still hear you with the crisp, by the way. Sorry. I can tell you still that was the last bit. It's fine. I'm I'm jealous. That's why I'm pointing it out. Yeah. Um I thought it was well, it was a crunching tackle, wasn't it? I mean Well, it to, was a to, crunching tackle, thankfully, only on the ball. Yes, exactly. Um, to borrow a sound effect from the Chris, but I, I think it was ludicrous. I mean, what was it? Nine minutes in. Yep, eight yep, minutes, nine yep. minutes, and I think he was very fortunate indeed not to be given a red card. Yeah, I think, but perhaps just that little bit of distance between uh, him and the the opponent is what saved him. But that little bit of distance is what makes that particular challenge and the style of that challenge even more fucking stupid than it was. Or that, you know, it just, it's absolutely ridiculous to make a challenge like that. Absolutely. And as Arsenal fans, you know, I think I've made this point before, but we know that more than most because we've seen players hurt by that kind of risky challenge. And um, I thought he was very lucky to sell the pitch. And that, I suppose, is one of the... One of the problems of Flamini, isn't it, is that he has moments to these. He is prone to these moments of yeah, rash but you, decision making. Yeah, sure, but you know what? You know when he did it. Oh, oh, nearly a goal. Uh, De Gea made a good save there from a a Matic header. Um, but you know what? The first thing that fucking went through my mind when he did that um, was, oh well. First, I was going, oh shit, he's going to be sent off, and then I was mm. relieved that he wasn't. But then I was thinking, well. Why is it you would do that when there's absolutely no need to do it, but when Willian is standing in front of you, you won't even take a yellow card with a cynical sort of a foul. You know, he could have held him up in midfield that, uh, in the Chelsea game that would have prevented the ball going through, and, you know, obviously we know Mertesacker was sent off. So why yeah. is it when he could have made a stupid challenge or what could be considered a, a, a foul... He doesn't, and then in this situation, he's like, well, fuck, eight minutes in, and we're a team that's really struggling for form. We haven't scored in three games. I know what will get us going. I'll jump in two-footed. I mean, what the fuck is he thinking? I would love to know. I would love to know. Maybe he's thinking about his billionaire business idea. Maybe he's thinking about his blossoming relationship with Meza Ozil. Did you watch that interview on Sky Sports with those two before the game? I didn't. I saw... I saw a word of it on uh, the Sky Sports website, I think, and then I thought right. to myself, do I want to watch this? And I said, no, I don't. Sure, sure, fair enough. Well, how I mean, was it? Uh, I mean, it's always nice to see people in love. Um, <laughs> but it is, you know, it's 
Beauty's in the eye beholder, you know, but for me, I can't really see what Ozil sees in Flamini, but obviously there's a, a real bond there. Well, listen, um, I'm I'm a big fan of Mesut Ozil, but, you know, he's not... I wouldn't say that he himself is, you know, the most eye-catchingly handsome fella, you know. No, it, sure. Out of the two of them, I'd say probably, you know, Flamini's the, the one that's taken a, you know... Flamini's the looker of the yeah. pair. Yeah. I guess so. But, I mean, um, yeah, it was a crazy thing to do, and I I can't possibly explain it. Uh, but then there's lots of things about Flamini I can't really explain. Well, here's it's- another thing I couldn't explain, is why in the 27th minute he went in sliding at full pace on one Bournemouth player, I can't remember which guy it was. Thankfully, <laughs> he missed everybody. He missed the Bournemouth player, he missed, you know, everything. But had he connected... Uh, with, with with the player there, that was a that was a fucking second yellow, no question. I mean, what was what the fuck is he on about? I mean, the only thing I can think is that he loves programs about property because at BBC One at the time we kicked off was an hour-long edition of Homes Under the Hammer, mm. followed by Escape to the Country. Meanwhile, on Channel Four, I'm just looking. One thirty p.m. started location, location, location. I wonder if he was thinking, I'm so desperate to watch these programmes about people trying to buy a house that I can't pitch any longer. I've got to get off and load up my television and enjoy these property shows. Mm, maybe that's what it is. There was a little moment there where your connection went... Blah, 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 blah. So uh, people can people can make their own minds up as to what it was you said there. Well, let me tell you, what I said was very important and yeah. definitely true. Do you think perhaps there was an element of, you know, he loves Arsenal so much that he's going, well, if Arsene Wenger won't drop me, I'll, uh, you know, I'll take one for the team here, you know, in the long I, run. <laughs> possibly. I mean, yeah, a three-game ban would have really sorted out some of the selection issues. Yeah. I I, I don't know. I mean, I'll be honest, when we went 2-0 up, I was thinking, wow, a late second yellow for Flamini. It wouldn't be the, it wouldn't be the worst thing <laughs> in the world. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, why do you think he started? Purely a fitness thing, would you say? Or? I, I guess. I, I'm imagining that he doesn't quite think Coquelin is ready and he might want Coquelin for... For Bournemouth or for um, for Leicester next weekend, and he thinks, well, this is Bournemouth, and maybe we can get away with with Flamini and Ramsey. And you know, to be fair, we did. Um, that was proven to be the case. Uh, you know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't ideal. Uh, I think what he did throughout the game was generally fine. You know, in terms of his his passing and and everything else. But you know, he's a guy who couldn't make a tackle from the eighth minute onwards. Mm. Um, you know, so it was yeah. It was a, I just don't quite understand what he was thinking. You know, a guy of his experience. He's not twenty two years of age. He's he's nearly thirty two years of age, and he should be. He should know better than that. And he should be. You know, he didn't get a second yellow. He came close, I think, but. Yeah. Anyway, look, we I mean, won that, in in spite of that, thankfully. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. We got there in the end. Yeah. And as you said, two lovely goals. Yes, Aaron Ramsey, um, who as part of this partnership, obviously has struggled a little bit in recent weeks. But I thought this was Ramsey's best game for quite a while. Uh, involved in yeah. in both the goals, the cross, nice nod back from from Giroud, and then uh, well, a really nice finish from from Mesut emphatic finish wasn't it I mean I didn't see that coming necessarily from him on his on his weak foot as well yeah yeah um, yeah no it was good good goal that um, and then a goal from from Oxley chamberlain his first in the league for about 18 months is that right apparently so his first ever away from home wow that is something I mean yeah. that's what he did is absolutely what we're all crying out for him to do isn't it and that he doesn't do nearly often enough to yeah. get in on that overlap and you know, finish clinically. It was a really excellent finish right across the goalkeeper and off the far post. Brilliantly taken goal. And I thought it, the decision to start with him was interesting as well. I mean, Arsene spoke before the game. He was interviewed by Sky and said, oh, it was a decision made based on his form. He's in good form. But he didn't figure against Southampton, if I'm right. I think he was no, he on was, the yeah. bench. Yeah. Um, so he must have been showing something in training. And uh, that selection obviously paid dividends. Yeah, I mean, I don't think his overall game was particularly great, but it's felt for a while like he's a guy who needs something to sort of spark him back into life a little mm. bit, no? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, you know, he's been in the doldrums. But mm. there was an assist against Bournemouth, wasn't uh, Not Bournemouth, against uh, Burnley. Bur- Burnley? Yeah, that's it. He set up Alexis' goal with a decent cutback. 
So maybe, you know, some signs that a bit of productivity is happening there. I agree about Aaron Ramsey. I thought he was really good at trying to make things happen in the middle of the park, covered a lot of ground, and he was constantly looking for that clip ball over the top. I think he it was it was quite intelligent at times, and that's actually how we got the first goal from that Giroud knockdown. So, um, yeah, I uh, I was impressed with him despite his his partner's antics. Mm. Do you think uh, do you think what Flamini did today will have an impact on on what team he selects? Uh, against Leicester. I mean, it strikes me that, you know, if you're going up against this guy, Kante, in midfield, uh, you know, it's a 4-4-2 uh, that Leicester play. Um, I think he's got to go back with Coquelin, doesn't he? I think so. I'd like to think so. I mean, I, I th- I'd like to think he would have done that irrespective of Flamini's performance today. You know, when I saw Coquelin on the bench, I wondered if it was with half a mind on... Leicester, are we almost protecting him, you know, mm. making sure that he's going to be fit for that game? Because after their result on Saturday, that just feels like a massive, massive match now. I mean, what did you make of that? What did you make of them going to City and winning 3-1? Uh, it's amazing, really. What they're doing is is amazing. I think it's, mm. you know, obviously from an Arsenal point of view, it would be good if they weren't doing it. But I think when you step back and you look at it, it's actually, it's pretty fucking great, you know, uh, yeah. that a team like that, built the way it's been built with a manager who when he came like the 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 established football journalists couldn't wait to make jokes about how he was going to be the first man fired and how he was basically a laughing stock and uh you know i guess they're probably looking at the situation that they're in and going fuck uh, you know how exactly did this happen but mm-hmm. you know from a footballing point of view i think i think it's i think it's brilliant and i think the the uh, you know it's good when we see that money isn't necessarily the only thing that's important in football, um, but I do I do wish people would just look at it on its own merits and say look this is just a fantastic thing that Leicester are doing rather than comparing it to all the other teams who've got more money and have spent more on transfers and have done this that and the other and have more um, established or more celebrated managers. You know, I think that kind of takes away from what from what Leicester are doing. I mean, the result against City was uh, was amazing, no? Yeah, I, because, you know, they had these two away games, City and Arsenal, and I'll be honest, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, well, this might be where it starts to unravel. I've been saying that for about three months to myself, and they just keep going, and they when they have had little setbacks, they've recovered superbly. Um, I, I mean, they have to be taken super seriously now, don't mm. they? I mean, that... Uh, you know, having with that Philip of that win over City, the confidence that will give them, they seem to play completely without fear. You know, I think it's it's almost become a cliche, but this thing of once you've fought relegation at one end of the table, uh, a title race is, is a breeze by comparison. Yeah. In terms of the pressure that you face, and you can see that in the way they're playing, and and uh, yeah, they they just look well they look very difficult to stop and it's going to be really fascinating when they come to the Emirates next weekend yeah I mean that is going to be a hugely hugely important game isn't it I mean it's it's pivotal in both seasons you know if Arsenal win next weekend against Leicester the lead is two points and mm-hmm. then we, we'll see maybe how how Leicester will cope with that kind of pressure um, you know if, if Leicester get the result then phew, Jesus, you know, it's uh, there's still a lot of football to play, a lot of points to play for, but you know, you'd really have to you'd have to fancy them simply because they've just they just don't have any pressure, they've no distractions, they've no worries about Europe or anything like that. Um, so uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a going to be a hugely exciting game, probably the biggest ever Arsenal Leicester fixture that I can remember. Anyway, certainly, certainly, I mean, probably since the. Uh 2004, the last season, last game of the Invincibles campaign, where we uh, oh yeah had to come through that one, and they they gave us a right scare, Paul Dickov on that day. That's right, but former but, gunner Paul Dickov, absolutely. But I mean, just looking at the table now, they're they're significantly clear of fifth place. I mean, you'd have to think that they probably will finish in the top four now, and that alone is a monumental achievement. Mm. Um, just extraordinary, really. And I mean. Where are we now? February, and there's it's impossible to predict how this race is going to play out. Mm, isn't it interesting? I don't know if you saw the stories, um, and I don't know if they've necessarily been 100% confirmed, but I think we've taken two of Leicester's scouting staff. Uh, we, we've we've poached them, as they say. Yeah. Um, and that's that's interesting, 
because certainly um, the first one was mm. definitely true. Uh, I can't remember the name of the guy, but was that, it that definitely Wigglesworth happened. or Wigglesworth? Or... Yeah, that one, that one has happened. Uh, I think he's not quite yet started working for us, but um, and he's a guy who's worked on the analytical side for Leicester. I think increasingly uh, Arsenal are trying to look to employ those methods as well as you know just getting players out to watch games. I think there's a lot of data analysis going on now in terms yeah. of recruitment. Um, some suggestions even that that might have played a part in the acquisition of Mohamed Elneny, that kind of data. Um, Ooh, really? Yeah, which would be an interesting one. Mm. But I... Um, well, there's a the thing. Yeah. Where, where was he? I mean, he was, not, he was not in the squad. Apparently, his wife just had a baby. So Good could, birth, yeah. Yeah. Could that have so been that, I think I think that was probably it. That's probably it. Although, you know, he hasn't figured too much. So I, I do wonder how much we'll see of him between now and the end of the season. But um, yeah, I, I think that's a good sign because the, the signings they've made have been superb. I mean, you mentioned Kante before, probably the signing of the season in terms of what he's he's brought to their midfield. And then Riyad Mahrez, who they picked up when they were a championship side, you know, and mm. uh, just has been absolutely outstanding, as good as anyone. Really. Well, you know what? I wouldn't be at all surprised regardless of what happens this summer or what what happens the rest of this season, if Mares isn't one of our big targets this summer. Would you say so? I, 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 I would so. love to think so. I think so. I think I, so. I, I think he's got a... Well, I mean, he certainly would fit into the style of play, wouldn't he? He plays with that swagger and that style. Yeah, yeah. And he, he scores goals from midfield from wide areas, which is something that we definitely need. It was very interesting. Arsene Wenger talking about strikers. And he was saying, look, in the, in the market on January, uh, I don't really see anyone out there who's, who's better than what we've got, which is a, which is a fair point. Um, but he was talking about goals from other areas and from other players and, and how we haven't really had enough of those. Um, so I think there's definitely a deficit of goals from, from players in wide areas. But, uh, you know, we got one today. Obviously, Oxley chamberlain was, uh, was picked on the right-hand side and, and he chipped in with a goal, Mesut Ozil, with his sixth of the season. So, you know, this is, this is what we talked about all week, wasn't it? That when the strikers don't score, uh, it's the supporting cast that have to come in and, and make a contribution. And they did that today. And that was, uh, that's what got us the three points. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't think it was a particularly great game overall. I mean, those two goals, you know, you wait 347 minutes for an Arsenal goal and then two come along in the space of a minute or something. Mm. Either side of that, I didn't think we were scintillating. I thought Bournemouth were good and workmanlike and played some decent stuff, but it wasn't a thriller of a game. But this was all about getting back on the winning trail, really, and uh, starting to recover that league position because before kickoff, you know, we're in fourth place and eight points behind. So, mm. um, you know, now if we win next weekend, two points behind the leader. So it's it's been a good turnaround and uh, hopefully the start of another positive run, which is what we really need. Yes, yes, absolutely. We just needed to get back to, to winning ways today and to get a to get a win under our belts and uh, and that's exactly that's exactly what we did. So it sets it up nicely then for next weekend. Anything else in particular st- uh, stick out for you uh, uh, from today? Trying to have a think, really. Um, I don't think so, really. Other, than, I mean, it's interesting. I thought Theo Walcott barely involved in the game at all. Oxlade-Chamberlain given the chance over him. Uh, you know, I think Arsene seems to have finally recognised that the, the dire straits his form is in. Yeah, um, he was sent and, to uh, sent to warm up in the 60th minute, and he came yeah. on with 30 seconds of injury time remaining. Yeah, that was our Sky sort of showed him, didn't they? It's just that he might be mm. going on, and then, and then we waited and waited and waited, and you know, I think he he might be back in that position where the manager doesn't necessarily trust him, especially when we're protecting a league, so a yeah. league, a lead. Um, so yeah, that. You know, an interesting day for him, especially with Oxlade Chamberlain scoring and presumably nudging himself ahead of Walcott in the in the pecking order for that spot. Mm, there are some uh, some questions about uh, individual players, but I think we'll wait till the second part of the show to do those. Okay. Um, but but um, let's just move sideways a little bit away from what happened against Leicester or against uh, who the hell was it? Bournemouth. 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 Um, we've got Leicester on our minds. I think that's what it is. We're all like. It's just lestered up. I don't know what it yeah, is. Yeah, it's all about Leicester now. Mm. Um, but uh, obviously something happened midweek with Arsenal uh, and the, the surcharge for the Barcelona tickets. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arsenal back down um, this time. I don't think they're going to do that again. Um, you know, firstly, as a season ticket holder, what, what did you make of that? I'll be honest, I found it very galling. I found it very... Irritating. I, you know, I understand the arguments of, you know, there is some precedent here. There, you know, there, these reg, these rules are in place. 
But I think the timing of it was particularly poor, especially after the moving of the Leicester game. I know that wasn't the club's fault directly, but that felt like a real blow to fans, a situation where fans weren't considered. And then this followed up just a few weeks later. And I think it was kind of a tipping point, really. And, mm. and I'll be honest, I was pleased with the reaction, the strength of the reaction from the Arsenal fans. I think that, you know, it's awful when supporters are paying these huge amounts of money and they kind of sleepwalk through it uh, and they kind of complain about it in a very muted way. I think if you're not happy, mm. you've got to let that be known. And sometimes that will pay off for you, as, as it did in this case. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was very interesting, wasn't it, that, oh... There's a, ooh, John Terry claiming handball in the box from Daily Blind. Oh, he's right. Blind is there with his arms up and his shot was deflected just wide for a corner. That could have been a penalty. Anyway, I think what was interesting was that how unified people became because we know within the Arsenal fan base there are various divisions and factions, of course, depending mm. on, on what you think about one thing or another. Um, but this seemed to bring everybody more or less together. I thought the tone of the Arsenal... Uh, email announcing that you know this time we we're aware there's confusion or fans don't understand etc cetera, etc cetera. i thought that was a bit patronizing to be honest there was a yeah. li- little bit of like oh well you know you'll have to uh you'll have to suck this up next time it happens because it will happen again because these are the rules and this is this is what what's going to happen but that it was the right thing to do given the way that this was implemented, given the way that it was communicated. And, you know, the big fear that I always had was that this was going to, this would become the lightning rod. Uh, the team necess- uh, would become a lightning rod for the frustration that people feel at uh, decisions like this that are made at board level. Because I've no way of, um, what's the word I'm looking for, of, of connecting or communicating directly with those people because they're insulated in in this bubble, right? They're there and Cronky's thousands of miles away moving the, you know, the Rams from St. Louis to um, to, to Los Angeles. Mm. Uh, so he's got, he, he, what does he care? He doesn't give a fuck. He's going, well, yeah, it'll be another 700,000, bring it in. Um, so I think, you know, had they kept that going and things hadn't gone well in a game or two, particularly in that Barcelona game, it would have made for a really noxious atmosphere and the club would have had no uh, nobody to blame there but themselves. Absolutely. I mean, I even felt a little for Arsene Wenger, who had to come out in a press conference and face questions about it. You know, it's not his decision. Um, he's protecting the board to an extent. He he becomes a lightning rod in that situation. Mm. So I I think uh, it's for the best. I, I agree with you. I thought the tone of Arsenal's email wasn't great. It kind of felt like a begrudging concession. Yeah. Um, oh, it definitely t- was. Yeah. At a time when, you know, a ludicrous amount of money is about to come into the club, all the Premier League clubs this summer, uh, from the new TV deals and the international deals, and there really is no need to scrimp and save. And, you know, interesting, I thought the Liverpool fans, you know, they were unhappy about the ticket prices they played for their game with Sunderland at the weekend. They all walked out 77 minutes. And you saw that have a very direct impact on the team. Well, yeah, wasn't uh, that wasn't that really interesting? You know that yeah. Liverpool two 0 up, cruising to victory against a team battling against relegation. The fans walk out, and you know maybe you could say maybe you could argue. Well, you, you can't say for sure that this was uh, they conceded those two goals because the fans walked out. But you know it's hard not to look at those two events in, in isolation, and it does highlight the importance of the fans in the stadium behind their team and not feeling like they're at odds with their football club. Because regardless of what you think about board members or managers or whether you want a new manager or you don't want a new manager, when you're in the stadium, you want your team to win and you're behind Mm. your team. And, Mm. you know, there are always people who are going to give out and, and complain and there are those sort of characters. But, you know, clearly when you've got everybody together, it's for the benefit of the team on the pitch. When the Liverpool fans walked out, they conceded two goals in the last 12 minutes. I don't know if that made a, a huge point. I don't know if that's the kind of point Liverpool fans would have liked to make. I'm sure they wanted their team to win, but it was certainly an illustration that, look, if you fuck around with fans too much, that, that there is a breaking point for people, and it wasn't yeah. just it wasn't just a few. It wasn't just a, f- a few people walking out. It was ten thousand or twelve thousand fans walked out of that stadium. You know, it was a, re- a remarkable thing to see. Oh, well, I've got I've got to applaud those fans for that. I think it's great to take a stance, and you know, it's difficult because those fans have paid for those tickets. They don't want to miss the game. Mm. They, they want they want to cheer their team on, but they've got to make their voices heard somehow. And I think uh, that. They went about it in a, in a really good way and their team paid the price, as you say, a great illustration of 
the value of support and how, how important it is to keep that unity there. Mm-hmm. I mean, to bring it back to Leicester, anyone who's been to their stadium this season will tell you the atmosphere there is absolutely electric at the moment and that, that harmony is vital. And, of course, vital to marketing the Premier League as a product. It's, you know, the, the fans have been taken for granted to an extent mm. and uh, that can't be allowed to continue, really. Well, yeah. And it will be interesting because it is about marketing. It is about the brand. It is about the image. You know, the Liverpool thing, turning uh, turning fans into customers, Mm. I think was their thing. And then it became turning consumers into fans when, you know, they were pulled up on it. And that's the outlook of of the people that own football clubs now. And that's the reality that, that we have to face as fans is that people who own football clubs, they're not they're not fans anymore. You know, there's no, there are a few Jack Walkers. The guy at Stoke maybe is a big Stoke fan and he can bankroll them from a position of, of being a Stoke fan for his entire life. But, you know, there aren't the guys, the, the people that own the shares in Arsenal are not Arsenal fans. They don't care mm-hmm. about Arsenal as a club. They care about Arsenal as a brand, as a franchise, as a business, as, you know, uh, as something that can generate income and revenue. And that's true of most Premier League owners now. And, if they start looking at what happened uh, uh, at Anfield and realise, hey, there is a point beyond which where this is damaging to us, then maybe that's the only way to make them see some kind of sense. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I think, you know, it would be a shame if it comes to something like that at Arsenal. But uh, it, it may well have to because supporters have to make their views heard somewhere yeah. or other. All right, that's enough for part one. We're going to take a a little break and we'll be back with part two right after this. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. All right, welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is the part of the show where we answer the questions that you sent to us on Twitter at GunnerBlog and at Arsblog. But this is also the moment of the show where we ask you, the listener who, who listens by your very nature, that's what you do. If you do like this show, if you like what we do every week, please give us a, a rating or a review on iTunes. Number one, it's good for our uh, iTunes chart thing. Number mm-hmm. two, it makes it makes us smell better. Number three, it's good for our rampant egos. And number four, James? Uh, it'll make you feel good. Yes, you'll feel you'll good. Have done about, a nice thing. Yeah, you'll feel good about yourself. Yeah. And isn't that most important in a way? That is. It's good that we're allowing people to do something that will make them feel good about themselves by doing something good for us. Hey, I feel good. Just, I feel good we're about good myself. We're good guys like that. Yeah. Yes, we are. We are. So, so give us a good rating. Yeah. Or review. People say nice things, actually, sometimes on iTunes. Do they? Yeah. Nice things on the internet. Yeah, I know. It's bizarre. I meant to, I meant to get a couple, actually, because I, was, I, I did laugh at a couple of them. Um, that if you go to the iTunes store and you have a look at the, you have a look at the reviews and the ratings, and you can see mm. some of the comments that that people leave. I think one of them said, eh, "It's a good podcast. I really like that Scottish guy." <laughs> <laughs> um, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. But there you go. Anyway, look, we'll leave that to people uh, to go and to go and do that. Um, right. It's questions. Questions, questions. questions. It's question time. It's a bit tricky because we're recording at an unusual time, so the, peop- the people weren't ready with their questions. No, they're going for their Sunday roasts after watching the game. 
and it's like roast beef with Yorkshire puddings and roast potatoes and gravy and all kinds. And tomorrow morning, there's going to be mass disappointment. A load of questions are going to be submitted, and we're going to have to say, I'm sorry, it's too late. Yeah. I won't be here, but maybe you can just sit and answer them all day on your own. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'll do. I've got nothing better to do anyway. So Great. So I'll do that. Great, great, great. Just do a live Q&A session. That's Lovely. Thanks for taking taking the hit on that one. Yeah. Um, I'll start, shall I? Yeah, sure, sure. I'm taking the initiative, seizing it. Yeah, do it. Um, Okay, this one's from Jonas Steen. Oh, Stein. You never know with that, do you? He's uh, yeah. Trom- Tromso Jonas. Tromso in Norway. Right, do you remember so- Tromso? Tromso played Chelsea once, and it was the snowiest football match I've ever seen. Yes, I think I remember that. Yeah. Did they win? Uh, I think Chelsea won, yeah. But I think they also... I think they won Torre Andre Flo. I think they sort of took him home with them, effectively. <laughs> they, so enjo- they so enjoyed his length, the length of him. As a man. Yeah. Uh, that's a misleading thing to say. Anyway, he asks, speaking of tall men, should Perma Saka start against Leicester? Wow, that's an interesting question, isn't it? Because I, I too have a, a similar-ish question. It comes from, we can deal with this one, it comes from You Are My Arsenal, who is at You Are My Arsenal, which mm-hmm. is, that's handy if that's your name and also your username. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, and he says, okay, I'll get in once, once. Uh, he said... Worry- reluctant, he's reluctant. Yeah, he's but like yeah. the Arsenal board not charging us for Barcelona. Yeah. He'll do it, but he's not happy about I'm it. I'm not happy about doing this, but I'll do it anyway. And he said, okay. he wants to know, are we worried about Gabriel's propensity for allowing attackers goal side of him? So uh, the Per Mertesacker thing, right? Uh, the manager has had to play Gabriel in the absence of Mertesacker after his suspension and has kept yep. him in the side. He's decided to give him a little run of games. And I think he's done okay. But there's, there's nearly always a moment, isn't there, in every game where he he kind of gets a bit roasted or where where something bad happens. Or, you know, I think we've gotten away with it uh, for the most part in, in the games. But he does worry me a little bit and part of me goes well maybe you know he put Mertesacker in a bit more of a calm assured presence in there and then the other part of me is like well maybe he just needs a, f- a few more games but I, I I'm I'm not yet convinced 100% by by Gabriel and Koscielny together um, I think it's my fault you know because do you remember we had a question a couple of weeks ago about what we thought of Gabriel and I was raving about him saying I thought he was ready and mm. I've been really impressed by him and he should get a run in the side and uh, since then he has had a run in the side and I haven't been utterly convinced I actually think he has looked a bit dodgy at times not I mean I, you know I wouldn't go as far as say he's played badly but like you say some hairy moments definitely and I thought he struggled a little against Southampton even though it was a nil-nil there were moments where he was one-on-one with the likes of Shane Long and looked a little bit uncomfortable mm. and I really thought Mertzaka would be back in for the Bournemouth game um, and yet he wasn't mm. so what what do we read into that is that just Arsene is he unhappy with Mertzaka after he was sent off against Chelsea do you think he's punishing him or I don't um, know I, I don't think he's punishing him I don't think it's anything like that. I think it's just, you know, Gabriel has come in, done okay, and maybe look today at, you know, a couple of speedy attackers. I mean, I do, that That sort of gives me pause for thought, you know, when it comes to to Mertesacker and, and Vardy and uh, the other guys quite quick as well. Is it Mahrez is quick. Um, and when you look at the two goals, well, certainly the first goal that we conceded against Leicester away from home, it was Vardy down the left-hand side and he got away from Mertesacker from a pace point of view. So I do Mm -hmm. wonder if he's going to look at keeping the pace of Gabriel in the side. What about that tackle from Hector Bellerin? When Gabriel did get roasted that time, Hector Bellerin put the... Amazing recovery. Brilliant. Amazing Um, recovery. I mean, yeah, I I wondered if Gabriel's run on the side might have been connected to the Barcelona game, you know, the the speed of Suarez, Messi, Neymar, if that was something that potentially he was thinking about there. But Mm. I don't know. I mean, he does seem to have decided... I would never go as far as to say, you know, sometimes we get questions saying, oh, is this the end of Perma, Saka, or anything like that? I would never say that. But I do feel like he's obviously decided to give Gabriel and Koscielny a run, and there must be a strategic reason for that. Maybe even just... 
he feels the need to freshen it up after a number of games without a win. I, I don't know. Yeah, why freshen that up and leave Flamini in, though? Come yeah. on. <laughs> that makes that makes no sense, I concur. What's going on uh, there? So what do you think? Do you think do you think he'll be back next weekend or <sighs> after a clean sheet, after another clean sheet today, so two clean sheets consecutively now. That's it, you know, I mean there was that moment, but generally I thought Gabrielle's passing was a little bit was a little bit off. And I do wonder mm. just if there's just a touch of Vermalen and Cassiani to Vermalen and uh, Gabrielle. Um, mm. But you think back to the Chelsea game, you think back to the high line, you think back to the sending off. I I think he might stick with Gabrielle. Do you? Mm. What do you think? Uh, yeah. I, I, the thing is, if, if Arsene likes to be quite meritocratic and it's in his selections and I, I can't see a good enough reason to change it really I think having stuck with it for Southampton and Bournemouth it does make sense to stick with it for Leicester and the pace of Vardy is a factor you know we all remember that that Leicester goal where he absolutely tore Mert apart you know on, on that flank and I wonder if that's stuck in Arsenal's mind too yeah so Maybe it, maybe it will be Gabrielle. But if I mean, it was me, I, yeah. think I'd, I think I'd probably bring Mo Saka back in. I, I think I would too. I'm just trying to think what the manager would do. Uh, I think that mm. was the question. You know, it's not if we picked the team. You know, no. if we picked the team, it would be very different. Very I different. Mean, we'd probably be in it, wouldn't we? Fucking right. Centre half pairing of McNicholas oh, and Mangan. Yeah. No, I want to play number nine. Goal hanger. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> You're not allowed. Uh, I've 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 seen no no. You've seen me play that. Yeah, so. and if you if you're worried about pace in the side when Mertesacker's in it, whew, you, you'd, we'd fucking make you shit your pants from the first minute onwards. I mean, I'd probably bench myself for the Jamie Vardy game. Definitely. <laughs> oh, oh, leave me hanging. Thanks. Yeah, great. <laughs> Cheers. I'll take the flag Enjoy on that. Twitter. Yeah. Enjoy that one. Um, yeah. So that, that's that's what I think is uh, that's what I think is going to happen there. So okay. Well, yeah. Um, uh, before we get another question, Thomas Rosicki, that was a bit sad, wasn't it? Oh, more than a bit sad. Did you Have watch you the video? Oh. oh, God. Heartbreaking. There's a moment where he just looks off into the distance or sort of down and you sort of think, oh, God, should we be watching this? This is, feels intrusive. He's going to break down. It, it could um, only have been sadder if they played the Incredible Hulk theme tune. Yeah, the you, walking away. The music. walking yeah, away, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, if was, they played that like, during that interview, I think I would have just been like, I would have, I think I would have cried. Balling. Yeah. 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 Hang on. I'm going I'm to play least... it here if people haven't heard it. Here we go. We're going we're gonna to get it now. So, Thomas, um, you're never going to play again. How do you feel about that? <laughs> it's terrible. Oh, God. I can't oh. even listen to it now. I think about Thomas's sad face now. No, I can't. I can't. I have to just pretend it didn't happen. Oh. It's too tragic. I can't face the reality of it. It's, hang on, it's like, hang on. Here's, here's the really sad bit. Wait, goes up a key. <laughs> oh, God. It's haunting. It's haunting. It's clutching his hamstring. Oh, God, I can't just listen to anymore. trade him again. Oh, poor Thomas. I feel really feel really bad for him. I hope he can come back and, and play another game. It would be great if we could keep the season alive and, you know, imagine a Rosicki goal at the end of the season to, to win the title. Wouldn't that be some fairy tale? Oof. Yes, please. I'll sign up for that. Mm. Uh, but we need a question, don't we? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Is it from, from me or from you? I think, it's, uh, I think I'll, I'll do one. Um, okay. On, I've got to find one, actually. Yeah, hang on. Here we go. All right, this one comes from Eric, who's at Eric Lewish. Mm -hmm. And he says, tragedy strikes. No, not just the one to uh, Thomas Rosicki. Tra mm. tra tragedy strikes, and the squad can only use their weaker feet. I presume that means to kick the ball rather than to, to run, because otherwise they'd just be hopping. Who fares the best, and who's the worst? Great question. I mean, so the obvious answer for who fares the best is Santi Cazorla, if yeah. he's even allowed as an answer. Oh, he has to be allowed. Has to. Fine. Because he's so ambidextrous, it's almost cheating. But yeah, I think he would be... Ambifootstress, uh, James. That's the... Sorry, sorry, yes. Uh, I use the incorrect term. But what, who... I mean, he's so obvious that I'm inclined to ask if, you, if there's anyone who's close to him in yeah. terms of that. I, I'm going gonna, gonna to put it out there. 
Petr Cech. Okay. Because as a because goalkeeper, he's he's got to practice. And I don't know. Look, I can pass a ball with my left foot. I'm reasonably good at passing a ball with my left foot. But when you right. ask me to launch a ball, like if you were going to make a clearance or if you were taking a goal kick, then I do that weird thing where you run up to it and you look like, you know, you've never played the game before. Can't get the stride right. Yeah, I just can't do yeah. it. And, I, you know, check, you look at him and he, he's able to clear with, with both feet really well. You don't get that. Uh, oh God, is he going to make good contact or not that you've had with some of the other Arsenal goalkeepers? So uh, I, I would say Petr Cech would be close enough. What What did you make of Cech uh, dribbling out down the field? That was an interesting sight. We haven't seen that many times, have we? No. He, Do you remember that from the yeah, Bournemouth game? Yeah. Um, I, I liked it. I pretty much like everything that Petr Cech does. Uh, West Antone asks, Petr Cech's 12th clean sheet for us. How important was he for us again today? And we'll come back to the uh, to the feet question. Uh, I mean, as important as he always is, like, especially with this uncertainty about the central defensive partnership with Cochrane out the side, he's you know, he, he is the defensive spine of the team at present. And um, 12 clean sheets really is... Absolutely excellent, isn't it? I mean, you well considering, yeah, considering what's going on, yeah, and uh, yeah. I mean, I can't speak highly enough of him. We you know we only made the one signing last summer, but but what a signing mm. it's t- turned out to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, two great saves towards the end. Yeah, you know, there was one with his feet, and then one down at his at his near post. You know, on the one hand, you'd say, look, it's it's fucking great to see a goalkeeper do that and it's brilliant to see him do it you know consistently he's made a big difference to this team I think uh, in terms of defensive security what you would perhaps ask is do we want our goalkeeper to be that busy you know of course um, of course you don't you don't you don't ideally you don't want to notice him yeah um a decent one in the first half as well from uh, was it oh, Harry yeah, 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 had yeah. the shot from outside the box tipped it over yeah yeah, very acrobatic. I um, love him. I, I put up a, a tweet actually on uh, just after he made that save, and uh, I just wrote, "I love Petr Cech," and then I favorited <laughs> this Chelsea fan who still got a who still got a, a an avatar of Mourinho. She's a, I, I don't know if it's a guy or a girl, but it's uh, someone who likes Chelsea. Oh, it's Miss something, so she's got to be a girl. Um, she loves Chelsea and the Orlando Pirates FC. Yeah. Okay. Well, she Classic has combo. sangue azul, so she's got blue bu- blue blood. Oh, ah. Right. Anyway, she just replied to it, going, "Ugh." <laughs> so I like that. Yeah. It, I like that it upsets uh, Chelsea fans. That yeah, we've got of course. Him. Mm. We've got him. He's ours. We're not letting go. Yes. Um, okay. So he'd be your tip for the weak foot challenge. Yeah. He Cazorla aside, who I think is the obvious one. There's nobody. There's nobody who's going to do it better than than Cazorla because uh, you know, Hleb was a good, was a very good two footed player actually. He was not quite as good as Cazorla, but he was he was really good with both feet. He not was, much but else. He never really struck the ball true. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like he was he was always sort of poking it here and there and little side foot passes. But he wasn't someone who would ever put. Through. I mean, he, he didn't he didn't like to shoot Hleb, did he? It was a sort of a yeah. aversion to it. Yeah. Okay, so who's who's not good at this? Now I'm going to say, and. Ironically, because I feel like having one of his feet amputated seems inevitable. Jack Wilshire, not great with his right foot, That's, is it? Yeah, left-footed players tend to yeah. be really one-footed, don't they? I think they're just not pushed, are they? They're not pressed to be two-footed in the same way. Everyone's so delighted they're left-footed. Yeah, because, you know, what is it? What is it? What's the uh, term? Um, a wand of a left foot or what's a cultured left foot? How, I'm sorry, yeah. I should, of course, uh, should, of course, have known that because of the, the, the great Arsenal blog, a cultured left foot. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean... My, my cultured left foot that you've seen from me playing football. Yes, of course, well. of course. I didn't realise you were left-footed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's, that's true, a little bit of, of left-footed players. I would say, like if I... Yeah, who else? I wouldn't imagine... Theo Walcott is great with his left foot. No, I can't remember too many goals he scored with it. That's certainly for sure. Mm. Um, Ooh, Chelsea player's gone down, really badly injured by the looks of it. Uh Uh-oh, this is not good for whoever this is. It could be Zuma. He went in doing a flying kick of a clearance, Mm. and 
he nearly kicked someone in the head and then he's landed and he's oh, ah he is he's actually screaming is this sort of are we talking uh, ligament kind of affair I, I suspect this could be one of those where he lands and his his leg straightens or something like that you know one of those ones yeah they're all they're all waving on and they're oh Hazard's just done the roly roly sub motion oh they're playing a, a replay of it here oh, oh Jesus oh fuck oh Christ they just showed What's a replay happened? of it he he landed you know when you land and then your knee bends backwards? Oy. Oh my god! Oh, oh and god, that's I'm one of the watching. that was one of the worst ones I think I've ever seen. Oh, that was bad. No wonder he was screaming. Fuck! Oh, oh dear. yeah, they're they're saying bring a stretcher on. Oh my god! Please don't show it again because I have that. I do you ever have that thing where you watch like fail videos and and people falling and people and you get the kind of the the sensation in the pit of your stomach. Uh, yeah, when, when they yeah. land, you sort of, it's like that when you wake up from a, a dream and you're like, Whoa! because you think you're falling. A bit like that. Yeah, I, I get that. that all the time. I have it, that all the time. This was a bit like that. Watching that, it was like, uh, uh, oh, gross. Oh, poor I mean, guy. Adam yeah. Hurry, who's the very funny at football cliches on Twitter, says, all possible hand signals for the stretcher have now been used. Yeah. Um, I, oh, that's a, I mean, look. I know it's Chelsea, but that's yeah. I'm just like I'm just something. looking here. I'm just looking here. Uh, Billy Dunmore at Dunmore or less just said, "Oh yeah. fuck, that gave me goosebumps." It wasn't good. It made my stomach flip actually watching that. Poor guy. Anyway, what were we talking about? I don't know. All I can think of is my knee inverting. Yeah. Um, Have you um, ever done we... that? No, no. I can still walk. Yeah. So I don't think so. Yeah. Um, it's almost happened to me once. I've never jumped that high, to be honest, so I, I don't think I'm in any real danger. Yeah, it almost uh, happened to me once where I landed and, and it went back, but just just before it went back to the point where it would have gone, it, uh, it, it um, yeah, it, it righted itself out, thankfully. Jesus. Well, look, hopefully, I mean, well, I don't know what to say. I mean, obviously, this just sounds like a real nasty one. Um, weak feet. Yeah, Jack Will should be right up there for me. I mean... Who else? Uh, Walcott. I think Walcott, just from a technique point of view, would probably probably struggle a little bit. Um, Mm. Who else? You don't see Kieran Gibbs too much with his right foot. I mean, I think anyone who's a left footer is going to be a contender, aren't they? That's true. And of course, you know, left-footed people, they they die earlier as well. So I think it's um, it's the trade-off. It's a blessing and a curse. Mm. It is. Uh, Okay. I think think we've dealt with that. All right. Here's a question. This comes from Lance Banner. God, we're on the uh, we're on the Incredible Hulk theme because obviously his father, Doctor David Banner, was sure. the, was the man who was the the Incredible Hulk and had to walk away with sad music playing all the time. Um, and he wants to know what's with all the chants claiming players are better than Zidane. Has no one seen Zidane play? Good question. Um, by the way, do you know that Eric Banner played Hulk in the film Hulk, and his name is Banner? But it's B A N A, no? I know, but even so, yeah, it's just kind it's of, a, yeah, kind of cool. He also um, played uh, Chopper, didn't he? Yeah, in that yeah, film, yeah. that was a good film. He's, he's had some, he's had some, some good parts. Mm. Anyway, I've seen Zidane play. I've watched that film about Zidane where you do nothing but watch Zidane play. Did you Have watch you seen it? That? No, I haven't. Is it worth watching? It depends how much you like Zidane. I quite liked him, but, you know, I mean, he was an amazing footballer, but he seemed a bit of a it's, nutcase to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, he... Um, it, didn't Arsenal go and try and sign Zidane when he was at Bordeaux? Oh, no, it hey, wasn't Arsenal, we, it was Blackburn. We, we tried to sign everyone. That's true, Come that's on. true. But I think Blackburn were very close to signing Zidane from Bordeaux, and it fell through quite late in the who, day. Who was the manager um, at the time? Kenny Dalglish or someone? Probably Kenny Dalglish. Yeah, it was that sort of era. Wow! Imagine, um, imagine how Zidane would have thrived under uh, Dalglish. I mean, he could have been. Imagine him twenty times the player he is or was playing alongside Tim Sherwood and Gary Flickcroft. Fuck! I mean, it would have been. I mean, what we'll a football education! Yeah, it really would. Uh, but uh, why all these songs about Zidane? Oh, well, this is of course a reference to the the new Meza Ozil song, yeah. isn't it? Um, which I'm enjoying. It's good. To, it's good to have a song from yeah. Mesut Ozil. Um, on which note, I don't think there are there is there a chant for Petr Cech? No, I don't that think must, there is. I, I haven't heard it. If there is, that must be amended. If there are fans out there listening, please get working. What on could that. we do? We could do like D Ream. Uh, things can only get better. I'd love that. 
I'd love that. Any sort of pun oh, I'm on board with. What a goal by Manchester United. Oh, Lindgaard has just scored a fucking cracking goal. He enjoys a goal, doesn't he, that Lingard? I find it confusing that he's English. He doesn't sound like he's going to be English. Hang on, what? He's English? Yeah. Right. Isn't he? I don't, I've got no idea. I assumed Anders... he was some kind of Scandinavian. Hang on. Not Anders Lingard, the goalkeeper? No. Another guy. What's the other one called? He's called Lingard, isn't he? He is called Lindgard. You look it up there. But it's a good goal. Cross came in. He held off... Who did he hell off? Oh, the, uh, the oh, Aspilicueta turned, and as he's falling, fires in a shot right into the top corner. Oh, just inside the post. So Jesse that's a goal Lingard. for Manchester. Jesse Lingard. So where's he from? Is he English? Cheshire, I think. Cheshire? Yeah. But it's confusing because they've got a goalkeeper called Lindegaard, and mm. he's, you know, not from Cheshire. It wasn't him. I'm just, just saying. So you're telling me a goalkeeper scored... <laughs> and a player's knee exploded. I'm going to watch match of the day later based it's, on it's your It's all there. It's all report. there. What were we talking um, about? Oh, a song oh, for Petr Cech. Song for Cech. Why do people keep singing songs about Zinedine Zidane? Yeah. Because it's quite a good name for rhyming, presumably. Well, like, yeah, uh, yeah. It rhymes with man, crucially, in, in the Arsenal. He's Arsene Wenger's man. He's better than Zidane. And understand. It, r- exactly. it rhymes with that. So I don't know who else... Who else uh, it could have um, been? Former Portsmouth forward, Aruna Dindan. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe we should adapt the song yeah. to be about Aruna Dindan yeah. so that, you know, everyone knows that he's definitely, because Ozil's definitely better than Aruna Dindan. Yeah. He's better than former Portsmouth uh, forward Aruna Dindan. Yeah. That would be good. Yeah, that'd be good. I mean, it's it, 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 it scans. I think that's the main thing. Because I think, you know, there's a Dan thing, there is some room for debate, but with the Din Dan, very clear, Ozil is better. So could, if from now on, if we could sing that instead. Could it be, though, that the football fans or the people that came up with that song are using uh, an exaggerated example to uh, to to big up Me- uh, Mesut Ozil's uh, talent? You know, it's just it's a sort of tongue-in-cheek reference to Zidane, despite the fact that it rhymes, you know, they're, they're just sort of being bit funny like football fans can be oh Diego Costa (laughs) what's he done now he's fallen over and won a free kick and it was the most obvious thing that he was going to do and Blind has just got booked for it oh old Danny Blind so naive so naive you've fallen for Diego's tricks yeah just outside the box as well so Um, yeah that's the why what what do we want to happen in this game I think I'd like a Chelsea goal now that would be good that just means to, nobody wins. That means nobody wins and, you know, everybody's vaguely unhappy. And a, a Chelsea goal now at 63 minutes, you know, it would leave both teams, uh, whereas if Chelsea scored in the last minute, they would feel reasonably happy at having um, having scored. You know, that, that sort of joy of getting a late equaliser, it, it feels much better than it actually is, you know. I know, I know. Willian is over the free kick. He's good at them. Oh. Oh, good ball in, and it's gone out for a corner. Anyway, uh, Zidane, that's it, yes. I think they're just having a laugh, aren't they? I think so. I think so. Um, all I right, mean, have you got another question? Or I mean, I've got this one from Steve Moore. Steve Moore, at Steve Moore 4116 Always firing a question, isn't he, Steve? He says, would you rather Spuds won the title, don't worry, there is a second half, or you discover that Phil Collins is your biological father? Well, I don't want uh, Tottenham to win the title at all, and families being estranged from each other are no big thing. So, yeah, Phil Collins can be my dad. I'm still not going to talk to him. I still won't like in the air tonight. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> I think I've done. I think I've done. I actually that didn't get any of that answer. You didn't uh, because your your voice went all weird. But all I all I got was let's move on. So I assume you dealt with it. I did. I dealt with it in in epic fashion. I have to say. Great, um, great news. Yeah. So, um, all right. I think uh, maybe I've got one more. Do I have one more? Um, boom, boom. Yeah, I did have it here. Okay. All right. This comes from Bob Maline or Bob Maline. And he mm. wants to know, if you and James were shrunken in a freak science accident, would you rather have to fight your way back to safety through Louis Van Hal's hair or Donald Trump's? Wow. And what would we be fighting against in that hair? 
Well, that's that's the question, isn't it? I guess in Trump's hair, there'll be all kinds of nits and lices and things. But he doesn't have as much hair as Van Hal. I was looking at Van Hal's hair today, just before the game, and I was very impressed at the, the volume and height of it. He's got quite high hair. It's quite an extraordinary hairstyle, isn't it, mm. that, he's, that he's cultivated. Um, I think we'd get through Trump's. Trump's, I think, is thinner. I think we would we'd manage to, you know, mm. get through their battle the way. I mean, it'd be exciting. I don't think and, I'd really like. It. I mean, obviously, this is a this is a throwback to that classic Rick Moranis film, "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids." Of course, which I enjoyed enormously. Mm. Mm. But the thing about Donald Trump's hair is it's almost exactly the same colour as his skin. That's what I've observed about him. Right. So it's hard to see where the hair ends and the skin begins. To be honest with you, however, I feel like looking at it, that that hair's thinning. It's on the way out. It's not got the same sort of sturdiness of Van Hal's. I wouldn't fancy my chances of getting out of Van Hal's hair mm. in a hurry. I feel like you'd be trapped in there. Yeah, I don't think I'd like to be on Donald Trump's head, though. You know, there's so much mad stuff going on there. And, you know, I feel like you could you could by osmosis pick up some of his his mentalness, you know? The thing that I think about Louis Van Hal's hair is, like, it's the hair of a younger man. Yeah. Like, it looks like he... It looks like a wig, or it looks like he has got someone else's hair. It I looks mean, it's like... Extraordinary. Yeah, it looks like he's gone uh, to the set of Peaky Blinders and said, mm. give me one of your hairs! Yeah. You know. It does. Yeah. It is, it's, gen- it's quite incongruous, his hair. Mm. He's basically... Also, since when he's got a bit of gel in it, it's like sort of Backstreet Boys from the 1990s or something, you know, a little cheeky centre parting. Yeah. I don't know... It's it's just a fascinating, a fascinating choice. Yeah. I'm looking at, I'm scrolling through pictures now, and it always looks good. It always looks good. He's never, you never catch him with it ruffled or out of, out of place. Mm. Yeah, immaculately coiffured. Is that a word? It is. Whoa! Hang on. Sorry, that was just my little bit of Backstreet Boys there. Just thought the fans might like it, you know. I mean, I look. I, I, you can't get enough of that, really. I no. love the Backstreet Boys. There's a there's a picture on Google I'm looking at now of Arsene Wenger. I looked up Louis Van Gaal hair, and for some reason, there's a picture of Arsene Wenger with Jurgen Klopp's hair imposed upon him. Oh, hang on. Let me. So you Google Louis Van Gaal's hair, or Louis Van Gaal? I've Googled hair. Louis Van Gaal haircut. Haircut. Okay, cut could be the the thing, and you go to the images page, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, I feel like people get different Google results, results at times. It's quite far down the page. I don't think you ever there's a, find it. There's a really disturbing image of, of Jurgen Klopp with his head superimposed onto that of a model sitting on the beach. Do you get that one? <laughs> no, I think that's just in your head. I don't believe you that that exists. No, I, I'm telling you that this exists. Um, and the caption, actually, it's on that uh, the website of the boy Hotspur, my old um, Ole Ole stablemate. And yes. uh, the uh, the caption is Van Hal, you dreadful whore. And it's a picture of <laughs> of Klopp sitting on the beach um, with his head imposed onto that of a, a a naked model, basically. So this has taken right. a disturbing turn. Oh, I see. I see here. There's an Ars- someone has photoshopped Steve McLaren's hair onto Arsene Wenger. Now that's oh. disturbing. Wow. Why are people doing this? I don't oh, know. Oh, yes, I can see that McLaren one as well. Yeah. It's very strange. Well, in related images, you may see the Ogan Klopp one. Yeah. Anyway. Um, anyway, the point being, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not happy with this situation full stop, but I'd rather fight my way out of Trump's hair than Van Hal's. Van mm. Hal's is too lustrous for me to take on. Well, I'll I'll go with Van Hal's hair because uh, hell, I like a challenge. Okay, and um, you know, and you don't want to be anywhere near Donald Trump. No, and there's a, there's a good big forehead there because I assume once you fight your way out of uh, uh, Van Hal's hair, you come back to normal size. So I wouldn't want to just get to the edge of his hair and fall off. You know, Van Hal's got a, a big head there. So look, 
I think we should leave it there. Um, you, you've got things to be doing. Do you want to tell people what you're doing? Or? Oh, yeah, I will do. I'm going imminently in about an hour's time. I'm going to the north of France via a ferry uh, to volunteer at the refugee camps in Calais and Dunkirk. Um, I am doing like a bit of a fundraising thing as well to raise funds for food and supplies for the refugees there because there's a, a real shortage at the moment so I'll put that up on my Twitter if anyone fancies giving it a couple of quid it all helps uh, so I'll be away for seven days doing that but I'll be back in time for the Leicester game so I will speak to you on next Monday's show about that well fair play I think that's a very uh, very honourable and very decent thing for you to be doing give up a week of your time um, yeah. in that way. Well, there's no game. There's no game in the interim. So, Well, of course. Not? I mean, look, you put, you put football first and then decided, hey, I'm at a loose end. There is no game, so I'll, I'll go help some people. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. F- football first, always. Oh, of course. Of course. Well, listen, good luck there, and uh, I hope everything goes well. And, of course, people can check out your Twitter if they do want to donate and give a, a, a few bob for that. So, And, uh, and uh, of course, from an Arsenal point of view, it's almost certain I will befall some sort of accident or illness out there. So... You know, we will beat Leicester. Yeah, yeah. Look, you truly are taking one for both teams here, <laughs> the refugees and Arsenal. Yeah, of course. That's, right. that's very like me. It is. It is. All right. Well, look, uh, I'll be here with an Arsecast on Friday. We'll be looking ahead to the Leicester game, and James and I will be here next Monday to uh, to talk about that particular game. We'll keep everything crossed uh, between now and then that uh, that it goes well. So uh, until the next one, take it easy. Bye bye. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.